Hey, coming up on the Matt Townsend Show, positive thinking. You've been hearing all of your life, positive thoughts help you succeed in life, right? But is that just talk? Is there value to pessimism? Or is pessimism destructive 100% of the time? We're exploring all the angles right after Sam McCall and the news. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. President Barack Obama continued his push today for Congress to stop automatic spending cuts from going into effect later this week, this time addressing a shipyard town dependent on Defense Department contracts, warning of cutbacks that could be avoided if the sequester is stopped. Senators ended a filibuster today and cleared the way for Chuck Hagel to be approved as the next Secretary of Defense. Hagel will likely be confirmed to the position by the end of the day. The intense winter storm that hounded the Plain States yesterday is moving north today with little sign of weakening. Hurricane force winds and snow accumulating up to 15 inches in some areas caused at least two deaths. Former Surgeon General C. Everett Koop died today at the age of 96. Koop served during the Reagan era and is well remembered for helping start the fight against AIDS by educating the masses on how the disease spreads. A defense request to dismiss the case against Army Private Bradley Manning, who is facing charges for supposedly revealing massive amounts of military and diplomatic secrets to WikiLeaks, was denied today by a military judge. Manning could face up to life in prison. In world news, Italy's political leaders are searching for a way forward today after yesterday's election results showed inconclusive results, leaving no one with a majority in parliament. The stalemate threatens to revive the European financial crisis. Tragedy today in Egypt after a hot air balloon exploded over 1,000 feet in the air and crash-landed in a sugarcane field, leaving 19 people dead. Most were tourists from at least five different countries. And Iranian media outlets reporting on the Oscars opted to Photoshop sleeves onto a shot of First Lady Michelle Obama in order to comply with local law about how revealing broadcast images of women can be. That's the news to now on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend. Your guide on the side. What are you looking? Why did you just roll your eyes, Skyboy? I didn't roll. You my rolled eyes. your eyes right when I said that. Right when I when you said doctor, Doctor Matt Townsend. You rolled your eyes. Figures. Are your eyes hurting? No, no. I I honestly don't don't think I rolled my eyes. No, I you think did. You're seeing no, I saw it. I think you're seeing. So there's, I totally a, there's a flaw with that guide on the side thing. I just realized. What? You're the guide who's the main course. You're not on the side. I'm not. A, yeah, I think I'm, that's the, I'm the entree. <laughs> That just doesn't say I'm the guide on the entree. I'm the man on the entree. That just sounds wrong. Are you with me, Skyboy? Cannibalistic. Yeah. Well, welcome to the show. It was really going well until I got a negative eye roll from little Skyboy. I think you're seeing things. I did not roll my eyes. Dude, I'm a highly trained professional. I'm a doctor. I know. I know. And you don't think I'm going to pick up the little things? All I can see are your eyes. How do they look today? They look bloodshot. I am tired. Are you tired? I am tired. What's the deal? Why? Let's talk about it. You got <laughs> okay. a girlfriend? Are you dating? Well, he had to get up, up early late? to make it into the show. 
Yeah. You know? yeah I, I, I prepped for your show like starting at 6 a.m., so I had to wow. be here to get ready. You I, have I do like my warm-ups on the yeah. faders. I on saw the you stretching your fingers out practice for the faders. pushing the buttons, do my Well, stretches. maybe that's why you're too tired to do any of it during the show. That, that, that's a good point. You get pooped and you're too tired, you just, you just got to rest. Because I do like three or four practice shows before the actual show. So. <laughs> three one-and-a-half-hour practice shows. Because today we're talking about motivation, and I'm trying to figure out how to motivate you. Do I use positive motivation or negative? I've tried negative, and then you just give me an eye roll. That wasn't negative motivation. Okay. That was just you stating you're a doctor. Yeah, and then you rolled your eyes. That's like, that's like <laughs> you stating you're a board op and me like going... <laughs> <laughs> I have to do it so the people out in listener land can hear it. You, okay. They can't see your eye roll. You just like made up three different ways to like scoff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, one uh, of one of okay. One of those wasn't a scoff. One that, of those was a gag. Joke. That was yeah. <sighs> I'm trying to make it so the listeners have something to listen to. <sighs> I feel like I'm alone in this. Are you not good enough for them to listen to? <clears throat> I thought that was the point of the show. It's your show. Take a lap. <laughs> Take a lap. Well, it's good to be with you guys. Uh, let's. I'm not even going to look at you, Skyboy. I'm just going to raise your monitor so I don't have to see your face. And now I can just see hey, you. This is nice. We should do this. I really thing. actually, yeah. that's not a bad idea. Um, I can just see his cape. And um, Good fences make good neighbors. This is so do good monitors between us. <laughs> so welcome to the program. Today we got a deal. We have got a, an incredibly, I think, important topic. Have you? Is your job in life just to be positive, right? Are you just supposed to be happy about everything? Oh, wow. Thank you for stealing my parking place. Maybe that's not where I should have parked. Maybe I should have. Maybe God wants me to park a mile and a half away. So I can walk. Am I supposed to find the positive in everything? Is that really the idea of this idea of being an optimist? Or is being pessimistic potentially healthier for you? Hmm? By the way, any of you guys have a gut feel on that one? Pessimism is like a rain cloud that makes the sun shine brighter. Well, hold it. (laughs) If it's a rain cloud... Contrast. Then the sun is probably not out. So, if, where for, you can for instance, see it. it would be like somebody who's a hobbyist in photography saying, "I'm going to turn the brightness up because bright things make happy photos. I'm going to turn the brightness up on everything, so it's just one big white photo." It hurt my eyes. Brightness. And you need hurts contrast. You need the yeah. dark to be able to appreciate the bright. So if I go, "Oh man, the weather's going to be terrible this week." Well, if it is, then I'm not surprised. And then when the sun does come out, I kind of go, oh, it's a lot, lot better than I expected. Well, so do we need to bring the white or do we need to bring the dark? Which, so, if, so if all of a sudden our life's being wonderfully blessed, do we just need to bring in the pessimism? And then we would have the full contrast. Well, that's kind of what we're going to talk about later on in the show. Are you trying to hold me back? <laughs> We're trying to give you an hour and a half show. Yeah. I'm trying to instead get this thing of, done early. Instead of killing it in 15 I mean, minutes it, and, it, and saying, that's it, folks. If you look at Skyboy, who got, he's already worn out. He can't make it an hour and a half. This is so exhausting. I, I'm just trying to get to the point. And poor Jess is already tired. Why are you so tired? Why is everyone so tired? It's Tuesday. We need some motivation. By the way, so is it Tuesday or is it Wednesday? It's we Tuesday. Need motivation. Yeah, it's Tuesday. Yeah. You need motivation? Yeah. Well, today's the day. Carrot and stick. That was a new big learning. It's Tuesday, unless unless you're listening to the show on Friday. Which would be, congratulations, here comes your you're rainbow. Time travel. Yeah. Time yeah. travelers. Hey, Jess learned something new today. Jess, do you want to talk about your new learning? Because this was really pivotal. 
Right. Well, you teach us what you learned. Get the high five down? There's No. This uh-huh. is beyond high fives. We're getting... No, this is cool. I think it's yeah. great because we're all learning. Um, I didn't know what carrot versus stick was. You didn't know that there was a carrot and a stick approach to like motivation. I don't like when I heard that they sounded like two completely different categories and then someone brought up a bunny and all of a sudden I'm taking <sighs> carrots, not you a whack want, of the stick. You don't want a whack of the stick. <laughs> That's yeah. right. And Bryce was saying, hey, I like carrots on a stick. <laughs> it's like a corn dog, but it's more of a carrot dog. I would stick. never eat that, Matt. That sounds terrible. Oh, that's true. It's a vegetable. <laughs> that sounds awful. That sounds like no setting setting you up for a corn dog and being like, it's carrot. It's a- you know, <laughs> if it was bacon on a stick, you'd now, be all over that. Bacon on a stick's a whole different thing. <laughs> that's that's called a corn dog. That's <laughs> in fact. Let's go to the news. So there's this thing we do every single day uh, called the human headlines. Real news that affects real people. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Human Headlines. So, uh, Human Headlines, this is the good, the bad, the ugly of the human race. We just like to go to the news, find out what the news has to teach us about being human, uh, and again, give you some ideas, some tools. But before we get into anything, uh, there was a last-minute announcement that Bryce made that, to me, this is huge. I mean, if you think about, like, the Genome Project... Uh, where we're mapping DNA and we're trying to figure out. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's going on in science that's pretty powerful. Bryce may have found the key, the thing that topped off science. Scientists have, well, I guess biologists have found a way to grow bacon. Just just bacon. Bacon grow. Just, nope, you don't need to hurt pigs. Do you need dirt? Do you need dirt? Do you need... What do you need to grow bacon? Um, do you just plant little bacon bits <laughs> just in your garden? Three or four, you know, uh, a footstep apart, and then they, you know, you stick it in. No, that's not how it works. Um, do you know the ramifications of this? Uh, we'll find, well, we'll have lots of bacon. Can you, but what grows? Like like a little bacon McNugget? Like a nugget? Um, or does like a pig grow? It's, uh, I, I don't know. You studied if, it if I were If I were to guess... It's probably stem cells mm. and uh, protein vat, and then they just start growing on their own, and then it just turns into something looking like a slab of meat. It essentially just grows a muscle. Wow! With what I know of seriously of just growing organs, oh, growing meat. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's I think it's great. I think. How do you feed it? Don't ask questions. That's the protein vat. It just sits there and it just, just grows. It just absorbs its own protein and turns into a perfect little meat nugget of. Which actually makes me think, uh, someone once pointed out that pigs were amazing because you give them all the food you don't want and they turn into food you do want. Yeah. Well, if we don't have the pigs for that, what's going to happen to all the food I don't want? Uh, You'll have to eat it. I might be asking too much. We might have stumbled upon. what will we do with all the pigs? All right. What are they going to do? If now we can eat without a pig. Fascinating. I guess we still need their stem cells. (laughs) Anyway. Okay, we're bringing it to you live here from the Matt Townsend Show. Hard hitting. Pig-O-Rama. Hard hitting news. Hard hitting news. <laughs> I appreciate it. A lot of people would have let that one go, Bryce. But Inclu- I wanted it on the show. Including myself, <laughs> but right. it happens. You can never pass up bacon. Remember that, Jess. Put that in your journal. Okay. You can never pass up bacon. Okay, so who's got the first real headline of the day? Um, That would be Jessica. Me. Yep. So... We're all going to learn something about ourselves right now. Oh, boy. If we don't already on the show, which we always do. But um, your signature, how big is it? Huge. 
That means... I'm going to do my signature, and then I'm going to have you tell me if Okay, it's yeah, that's not. a good idea. Everybody do your own signature. Write before, it down. Before we give this great news. Oh, well, and I guess it's gigantic. Oh, he hasn't even started. This okay. is how I sign You're my name. You're lying. Are but you I don't serious? Sign it that is that way. really is, is that it? That's my signature. That's, I wouldn't sign it that big, but I have that big space. Just so, so I everyone signed realizes, it in a big space. it's at least an inch and a half. <laughs> well, because I had five inches to write it on, but I wanted you to be able to see. It. Oh, and Rob knows the story. His is like. Uh, oh, here. Oh, if we're gonna go by bit. the story, let me sign mine. Oh, there it is. Oh, oh there we go. Oh, a line. He so drew what's a the line. research? Okay. Fill me in on the research. <laughs> Back to the story. Um. If your signature is bigger, mm-hmm. like four inches, this study says you tend to be more narcissistic. Yes, totally. Which true. sounds pretty yeah, reasonable. It's totally accurate on me. Um, I love myself. <laughs> and I don't, you're a doctor. For I'm a doctor sakes. for crying That's out right. loud. That is that a big signature? That was pretty big. Is it? Yeah. yeah. I um, Anyways, there's well, especially if you sign checks that size. I don't sign my taxes that size or my checks that size. I sign on the line that's there. So wouldn't it just go by however much size you've got? Oh, you haven't seen the people that that doesn't matter. They go over the lines. They're oh, like, yeah. see, I go by the space a lot. You want of... to imagine the size of Matt's signature? Imagine if you turn the check upside down and kind of signed along the whole back of the check. <laughs> yeah, that's it's about, about that that's big. About the size. <laughs> it's pretty big. Uh, so bigger signature means bigger narciss- more narcissism. Yeah, you're well, more self-loving. There's a there's a a professor at Maryland who did a kind of did a study of the study. The study of the study. <laughs> and he said that it's not so much that you're a narcissist, but you're probably more of an alpha male. And they say that yeah, you... Yeah, I like that one better. <laughs> yeah, that's it. For your ego. No, that's totally so it. I'm more of an boosted. alpha male than an egomaniac. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That feels better. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then they also went into some other stuff about your personality, like what kind of eggs you like. Well, let's tell me, because I'd like to know. What kind do you like? I'm not telling you. <laughs> I like... To, I, feel I like... actually like poached eggs. Poached. Is that fried? No. <laughs> oh, poached eggs are outgoing and happy. That's that is me. so accurate. Bing. Scrambled are guarded. Omelet lovers are self-disciplined. I like omelets too, by the way. Yeah. But so, I'm not self-disciplined. And the color of car. They go into that too. Okay. I'm just going to keep going. Let's go. I've got a color. <laughs> I've got a car on, color on my car. Okay. <laughs> That's good. Do you want to know the color? Not yet. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I want to know. It's black. Oh. oh. <laughs> What does Bummer. That, mean? that means you lack self confidence. Oh. So you're happy, but you lack so self confidence. I'm a narcissist with low self esteem, but I'm an alpha male and I like poached eggs because I'm funny and outgoing. Hey, is this pop psychology? You nailed me. <laughs> and I also do really well with Sagittarius <laughs> and I'm, I'm a Taurus. Oh. <laughs> okay. I'm a Sagittarius. Okay. So uh, other cool car colors. What about blue? Uh, that's upbeat. Yay! Yay! That's Robbie. There's a white. chair for you. Uh, they go silver cars are upbeat too. I don't know if they say white. <laughs> okay. So wait, the other color, just in case you have a green car, that Who? means you have a positive outlook. Who has a green? Which is car? exactly what we're talking about today. Oh. Green cars. He does have a green car. But are we saying that positive and upbeat are different things or the same thing? Don't don't make sorry. it harder. I'm Russ. sorry. I'm sorry. You're starting a rant. Over the line. <laughs> well, this is fascinating. See, so anybody out there in listener land, you're probably a narcissist unless you're an alpha male, <laughs> depending on your signature, of course, and the car you drive. But if your signature is big and your car is black, you uh, have a you have a disorder. Depending you, on your breakfast. You don't know what you are. 
and you need to seek therapy immediately. Hmm. I'm confused. By I felt way, good for a minute, then I felt bad, then I felt good, then I felt bad about myself. This was a real study. I just wanted to... Okay. <laughs> Even though we destroyed it. Uh, interesting. No, it's fascinating. You can always find great studies like that in People magazine, and magazines just like that. <laughs> Anyway, anybody else got some news, some that headlines? That me. Maddie Soul. Okay. So, um, there's this guy named Jaquil Reagan who's living in Indianapolis. Okay. And so he had to go to an interview that was 10 blocks away. For a job interview. Yeah, for a okay. job interview. There you go. And so he kind of seems like a normal teenager, but what's special about him is that he is supporting his two younger siblings. Whoa, how his, old is he? Uh, it does not. Oh, eighteen-year-old. Eighteen-year-old goes to get a job, but he's supporting his younger Junior brothers sub- and sisters. Yeah, because uh, his mom passed away and his dad's out of the picture. Cool. And so he's walking along, and then he uh, kind of stops by this restaurant, and the owner is laying rock salt outside. Doesn't know it's the owner, but he just asks, "Hey, you know, how far is it to this location?" They goes, "Oh, whoa, you know, like it's six or seven miles. You should take a bus, like, because in this weather, because it was really snowing." Yeah. And so he just said, oh, thank you, and kept walking on his way, you know. Just Couldn't bust, but he's just going to walk yeah. it. And so the guy that was uh, um, the owner of this restaurant was like, huh, that's pretty interesting. And so later he and his wife were driving along, and he sees him still on the way walking to, to, this job to the job interview. And so he pulls over and says, hey, you know, do you want a ride? Uh, and gives him a ride and finds out his story as they're going along. And he's like, whoa, you know, he's really impressed with this because he just couldn't even afford the bus fare. Unbelievable. And so, um, but he's just, you know, like, nope, I got to go to this. You know, he dropped out of high school and got his GED because he needed to go to work. Yeah, go and do. And so uh, the guy whose name is Art Bouvier. um, Mr. Bouvier. Yeah, he uh, offered him a job twice the pay that the other job was going to give him. and. Said, hey, like if you want this, this is available to you. So huge. Yeah. So Art Bovier hires this guy double the price of Mm -hmm. what he was going to the job interview for simply because he saw how dedicated he was. Yep. Hard worker. Mm hmm. Goodness, that's cool. See, that's cool. Art Bovier, hero. Checking out, noticing the little signs, right? See, that's, that's positive right there. Yep. You can, you can get more in hiring than you can motivate in a lifetime. Mm hmm. Hmm? Yeah. Really I like great. that. Cool guy. Wow. Okay, honestly, I like that. Art Bovier, hero of the day. Appreciate you, my friend. Um, I think we probably ought to wrap it. Do we have another news story, though? What is it, Robbie? You got that look in know. your eye. Let's move along. Anybody else got news, though? Okay, well, I, I Art Bovier, hero of the day. I know I'm trying to figure out how we're going to do that, Rob, because Rob's going to try to take on the concept of pessimism. It and has it pays its place. Off. It may have its place. It certainly does in prison. Anyway, we're going to take a break. We will be back after this. We're going to get into it. The pessimism and optimism argument. Are we just supposed to be blindly happy? Right? Are we just supposed to touch the third rail of the track? Are we just supposed to do everything that everyone says we should do without thinking about it? Optimism and pessimism, where does it all fit together? You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show. We will be back right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Voyager 1, speeding out of our solar system for 35 years, it's still reporting new discoveries from the edge of infinity. 
This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. How far away is Voyager 1 now? The most distant man-made object in space. This plutonium-powered peripatetic is so far away, a radio signal from it traveling at the speed of light still takes 17 hours to reach Earth. Launched at the height of the disco music era, just after America's bicentennial, the Voyager 1 and 2 spacecraft gave us our first detailed look at the outer planets of the solar system. Using Jupiter's and Saturn's gravity as a slingshot, Voyager 1 headed out towards interstellar space at almost 18 kilometers per second in 2004. It passed the major boundary of solar space where the solar wind comes to a halt. Now, Voyager sensors are being tickled by magnetic field lines that connect our solar system to galactic space. If the solar system had a now-leaving-city-limits sign, this magnetic boundary would be it. Scientists think that highly energetic particles from supernovas trade places with our sun's particles there. And Voyager is still working well enough to observe these magnetic field lines as it crosses them, giving scientists a better picture of the edge of infinity. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Make sure you follow BYU Radio on Twitter for live updates on sports, radio programs, and more. Then tweet us what your thoughts are as you listen to our programs. And don't forget to include us in your live tweeting of any BYU sporting events. Follow us at BYU Radio on Twitter. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are talking about optimism and pessimism. Is the answer to life that you should be optimistic. You should just always have a positive mental attitude. Bryce is about to grab the mic. Wait, hold on. Life? Like like everything? Life? Everything? Yes. That your seems... life. Your way of seeing life. Man, that seems like a big question. Are you sure we can handle it? <sighs> Highly doubt it. Well. But we do have an expert coming on later. Oh, that's good. That's that would, good. I think, argue that we should be positive. Optimistic, you think? We'll see. Well, I don't disagree with the idea that optimism is a good thing. I just have to. You're not going to go back uh, to the rainbow th- or the the. I am because, okay. and and actually, I find this funny. I thought the idea of kind of this pessimism, but it's kind of a defensive pessimism, yeah, a healthy defensive to, pessimism. Just kind of prepare yourself for the inevitable disappointments yeah. in life. Sure. I looked it up on Google. And it exists. It is a thing. And this – there's actually a lady who's written a book called The Power of Negative Thinking. It has a picture of an <laughs> umbrella and everything. The umbrella should be turned upside down. All right. <laughs> right? Collecting the rain. But I really think there's something to that because you – if I – was as optimistic as I wanted to be. Maybe I set my optimism too high. I'd yeah. Say, I'm going to get up this morning and it's going to be 78 degrees and I'm going to be able to drive to work with the windows down. Yeah. And then I go out and find it snowed overnight. Well, yeah. And you're, I'm just I'm immediately feeling down. And Doesn't it have to be tempered with realism? Like you can't, op- you can't be so optimistic against reality. I don't know. Talk to people about positive thinking and... A three ninety nine lunch buffet, drink included. 
Yeah. And then Run you get away. there and find it's five or six dollars more than that. And there's E. coli in the yeah. Well, I don't know. I'd take the risk. <laughs> no, maybe not. That's kind of but, but but I think there's a point to a little bit of defensive pessimism. You kind of you plan on it going badly, so sure. that when it goes right, you're pleased and you think, oh, okay, this hey, is that's not bad. Yeah, because you thought it was going to be worse. Yeah. So really, you're just trying to be negative, just so that you're not let down. Exactly. So it's like you're being negative for a positive reason. Interesting. My dad always taught me plan for the worst, hope for the best. Interesting. So then you're always prepared, but you can always hope for it. So planning for the worst, is that is that negative thinking? Or is that just contingent hope contingency for the worst, planning? Plan for the best. <laughs> so leave your house without a coat. This is getting hard. No. I no, but I, but in all seriousness, well, I, I think, think in I reality think there's something yeah. to planning on being disappointed. Well, I here's I guess my view. I don't know that you ever need to make a plan to be disappointed. I mean, I think that's inherent but in life, right? It seems like it doesn't hurt so bad. Well, but well, I mean, but the reality of life is life is disappointing. So yeah. it just seems like why would we add more energy to make sure we are thinking it's going to be bad? Well, okay. For instance, you can plan ahead about when the disappointment hits. How, See, how, now, am I go- how am I going to handle it? Because now we're becoming I neurotic. go into the lunch buffet expecting it to be three ninety nine and find out it's. Eight ninety nine. Yeah, I can end up throwing a temper tantrum or something, or something. I don't know. I've well. done so, but if I plan ahead, that odds are it's not going to be three ninety nine. It's probably going to be substantially more, and I need to be prepared to okay. graciously pay it when I arrive. Then I get there, I arrive, I don't cause a scene, I graciously pay the eight ninety nine. And move along. Inter- my way. Maybe this is just all about how we adapt. So some of us want to adapt. Some of us overcompensate negative. Some of us overcompensate positive. But it seems like in the in the reality, it's always life's going to play you in the middle over the long haul. Even if you get if you swing really strong left or swing really strong right, really strong. I mean, I don't I don't know. It just seems like this is about your energy management, right? So if I'm going to manage my energy, I don't know why I'd want to conjure more negative in my life when the reality of life is there's a lot of negative. Well, maybe Dr. Zimmerman will help me understand this better when he joins us in a minute. But I mean, I, but I get the idea I, that what, I, do you, what do they call it, by the way? The uh, what do they call this kind of pessimism? Defensive yeah. pessimism. I mean, I yeah, I think it's just maybe the term. I think it's just being you're just being practical. You're being real. Well, well take okay, for instance, the coach. There's the kid on the team who's four foot six, mm-hmm. and he wants to be the power forward of the basketball team. And you give him positive coaching. You're the best. You're awesome. You're going to go to the NBA. You're going to set world records. You're the – no. The kid needs to have defensive pessimism and be like, look, I'm four foot six. Yeah, but see, I would call I, that real. What about If Muggsy I make Bogues? a basket, this, yeah. th- that'll be cool. Yeah. So I'm going to plan on going the entire season scoring no points and planning on getting cut from the team. Yeah. And then he finds he does – Better than that, and he doesn't get cut. Then he feels no. I agree, cool. but see, to me, that's just called reality. The reality is, I don't know that you even need to be pessimistic. Let's just give you the stats. Okay, you're four eight. The amount of football or basketball players that are four eight playing high school ball is two percent. So just know the reality. And they're all from very, very, very small towns. But I'm gonna bet. I'm gonna bet a guy like a Muggsy Bogues who was five, whatever four, five three, five three. <clears throat> I'm gonna bet that guy was probably fairly optimistic and realistic, right? 
I don't know that he had to be pessimistic. Oh, I'm sure there was one day he got up and goes, oh, come oh, on, sure. I'm five foot four. But I mean, the, but I, I don't think that's pessimism. I think that's just reality. The reality is, you know, there's a lot so of people that make more money. So there is something to that cliche, I'm not pessimistic, I'm just being realistic. Yeah. I think realistic is just the data. I, I, to me, it seems like being pessimistic means I actually conjure up negative data and energy in order to not be disappointed versus realistic is just gather the stats. The stats are the stats. You know what I mean? The, the data is the data. This is more which way we skew it, I think, because I think we have a habit of skewing. Now, by the way, I'm a complete optimist. So I will skew the data to my advantage positively, which isn't always real. And so then I always end up having to back it down to reality. That's but doesn't just that hurt? But doesn't that hurt? When you have to back uh, yeah. it down? Yeah, yeah. totally. See, see, I'm just trying to avoid backing, that pain. Well, I know, but all you, I know. the pain up well, front. Well, you, no, but you, you feel the pain up front. So you, you pay the piper whichever way you go. That's why realism would probably be the best decision. <laughs> Let's just be real. Let's just go with the data that's there. Hmm. Let's ask Dr. Alan Zimmerman after this break. Dr. Alan Zimmerman is going to come in, and he's going to give us uh, some tools, some ideas of how to truly be more optimistic, have a more positive attitude, and deal with the negative attitude as well. How to deal with everyone around us that might be bringing a little bit of the negativity into our lives. We want to hear from you. Do you have any ideas about um, pessimism and optimism? Have you seen a specific situation in your life where it paid off to be negative and that negativity served you so well the rest of your life? We want to hear from you. one 855 Chat BYU, one eight five five chat BYU. If you do get on the line with us, we'll give you a copy of my book, Feeding the Seven Basic Needs of Healthy Relationships, The Starved Stuff. For anybody that gets on the phone, give us a call. one eight five five chat BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM one forty three BYU Radio. BYU Radio, we want to create shows that connect with you. So if you're listening to one of our talk shows and hear something that resonates, call us. We want to hear your questions, opinions, and stories. Our toll-free number is 855-CHAT-BYU. That's 855-242-8298. We would love to hear from you. Again, our toll-free number is 855-CHAT-BYU. Call in and share. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. President Barack Obama called automatic spending cuts going into effect later this week a self-inflicted inflicted wound while addressing an audience in a shipyard town of Newport News, Virginia. As it stands, the cuts seem likely to go into effect. Chuck Hagel has received enough votes to be confirmed as the next Secretary of Defense. Senate voting is not complete yet, but the news is likely very welcome after a lengthy filibuster that ended just today. The intense winter storm that hounded the Plain States yesterday is moving north with little signs of weakening. Hurricane-force winds and snow accumulating up to 15 inches in some areas caused at least two deaths. Former Surgeon General C. Everett Koop died today at the age of 96. Koop served during the Reagan era and is well-remembered for helping start the fight against AIDS. Under Koop, an eight-page pamphlet about the disease was sent to every household in the U.S.
In world news, tragedy today in Egypt after a hot air balloon exploded over 1,000 feet in the air and crash-landed in a sugarcane field, leaving 19 people dead. Most were tourists from at least five different countries. Italy's political leaders are searching for a way forward after yesterday's election results showed inconclusive results, leaving no one with a majority in parliament. The stalemate threatens to revive the European financial crisis. North Korea's infamous gulag prison camps are apparently expanding, according to satellite image reports from a U.S.-based firm. One human rights group says the expansion could be due to Kim Jong-un's clearing out of his father's former administration. And Michelle Obama's appearance at the Oscars seems to have been a little too revealing for the Iranian media. They opted to Photoshop sleeves onto the First Lady in order to comply with local laws about how revealing broadcast images of women can be. That's the news to now on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are talking about optimism, pessimism. You know, can you be too optimistic? Can you be too pessimistic? And in between, where does realism fit in? We are going to be joined right now by Dr. Alan Zimmerman, our guest for the day. And Dr. Zimmerman um, has a bachelor's degree in speech and political science He has a master's degree in speech, communication, and sociology, and a doctorate in the field of interpersonal communication and psychology. He is a speaker. used to work as a professor, and uh, people loved what he was saying so much. They're like, hey, get out on the road and start speaking. So he now travels around the country and uh, does a lot of speaking for... um, for organizations. He also is on television and uh, radio a lot. And Dr. Zimmerman is going to fill us in on this concept of a positive attitude. Dr. Zimmerman, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Well, thanks. I uh, appreciate being here. Good to have you. I mean, this is a, it's funny because it's almost like people, they've actually picked a, they picked a side of the coin here, right? So there's, I guess, the pessimists that like to defend the the need for pessimism, and there's the optimists that just kind of want to cloud everything in a bubble of optimism with a cute little unicorn and a rainbow, Rainbow, right? Well, yeah, and one of the things that bothered me for a long time is why is it that some people who have so much going for them achieve so little, and why do other people who have so little going for them achieve so much? Right. Spent years researching that topic and came down to the conclusion it's attitude that makes the difference. Now, attitude meaning is that so an attitude then is I guess that's my mental it's my mental concept for how I'm approaching the world is that what how do you define attitude? Is it just a thought is it is it kind of my is it my paradigm what is that? It's your outlook on life or situations in life. Okay. Kind of like watching a channel on TV. You might not like that particular information, yeah. but if you don't change the channel, you're not going anyplace different. It's huge, huh? And I believe it's a choice. No one gave you a bad attitude, and no one gave you a good attitude. You choose the attitude you have. People don't know that, unfortunately. They think they're a victim of some upbringing, but really it comes down to choice. Yeah. No, I, and I see this a lot. So I have a Facebook page. 
and uh, we put up all of these quotes and thoughts. And if I put up a, a quote, for example, about a wonderful mother or a wonderful spouse, um, almost I, I'll get 40 people. So I'll probably get 400 people that'll like it. Just, you know, thumbs up. And then I might get 40 comments. Of the 40 comments, I'll usually inevitably get one or two. And the two just are almost you entirely the opposite of what the other 38 are saying. And it's but you can sense the attitude and you can sense the attitude is this person does not have a good experience on this general concept that we're talking about in this quote. And and then they share that attitude. I mean that is that kind of what you're talking about is that people just have an attitude but you're saying it doesn't just have to come to you because of how you lived, you get to choose that attitude day in, day out. Well, I see it all the time. People that know me, that have seen me on TV, read my books, they know my background. I didn't come from some rose-colored glasses kind of location. There was suicide in my family, divorce, alcoholism, you name it. Right. And one of the things I've learned is every problem you have, personal, professional, financial, health, whatever problem you might have, it's always a choice point. And you choose at that point to get better or bitter. Hmm. You see it all, all the time. One person goes through a divorce and they get bitter. They hate men, hate women. Somebody else goes through a divorce and says, what do I learn from this? How do I get better next time around? Yeah. And that's, I mean, I think that's, that there's a difference then is really what you're saying. There's a difference between the people that experience something traumatic or, or big and they choose the better versus those that choose the bitter. What what do you see is the difference? I think, first of all, those who choose the better realize they do have some control over their attitude. Uh, some of the folks that you talked about that express a negative opinion about your comments, your posting, yeah. some of them don't even realize that they could change that. Right. I think that's the way I am. I've always been that way. And when I hear people say, that's just the way I was raised. I can't help but always been that way. They're being sincere, yeah. but they're being sincerely wrong, too. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's such a thought, is that if you're so tied to how you're raised, then you're pretty much doomed. You know, you're set. You're determined. You're going to be the way you are. If that, I mean, if that's the angle we're going on, is based on how you were raised or based with the gene pool you came from, you're done. Absolutely. The whole premise of education is that we can change. Yeah. If we don't believe we can change, then forget going to school, forget reading, forget seminars. You can change. And people give away their power all the time. They'll say, I, I can't make that call. I can't close that sale. I can't lose that weight. I can't handle so-and-so. And they're all misnomers. Mis- misassumptions. Yeah, but they're so deeply held, aren't they? I mean... It's it serves us. It seems like having a negative attitude is such a somehow it must serve us because for some reason it stays in us. Right. I mean, it seems like having a negative attitude about something would eventually you'd be broken of it just simply because of life wearing you down or something else breaking or something. But I mean, it, it seems like it's it's harder to keep a thought like that constant um, over a, over a life where there are so many beautiful benefits as well. So what keeps us stuck well, in it? Good point. Uh, when I'm doing my seminars, presentations, you know, by far the vast majority of people respond to positive recognition, reinforcement, uh, those kinds of positive comments. But there's about 10% of the people out there who are wired or programmed negatively 
and they get their kicks out of being negative. Mm. It's a guy at work who never smiles, who never says hello, who's always got a grumpy response. Yeah. And subconsciously, I think they know that their negativity is making you squirm or making you uncomfortable, and they get some kind of perverse pleasure out of that. Yeah. Most people get the pleasure out of the positive comments, but there's a small number of folks who just that's how they get their attention. A little snarky. Yeah, I actually, um, as a speaker, I, I enjoy when I come across somebody like that because the contrast of having to going head-to-head with them in a way uh, actually creates some pretty cool learning. Mm-hmm. But, but it's interesting that that's probably not their intent. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, Their intent might be to sidetrack you or derail you. Or, or I mean, because the other benefit is I can understand, I mean, I can appreciate your snarky comment and your attitude. I can, I mean, I can see where you're coming from. And I have another opinion. Here's another side to look at it. Um, but that's interesting. I didn't know that uh, there's kind of this inherent little 10% club of, of people. And, and you're saying, though, missing the attitude boat, um, it, it, this isn't just being Pollyanna, right? There, there's some really true, huge benefits of people that have a more positive attitude. What what's what does the research show about that? Well, it's the number one predictor of success. Uh, it is a better predictor of success than IQ, than education level, family background, experiences. Attitude predicts better success than anything else. Really? So a lot of research to back that up. People that are negative tend to get sick more often, miss work more frequently, get divorced more frequently, lose more jobs, have kids that get into more trouble. The research is very clear. Yeah. Big benefits on the positive side, big problems on the negative side. Yeah, that's a uh, – you'd think that alone would, would convince us um, to shift. And then I guess uh, the, I guess we get so, I guess, adjusted to it. We get so used to it that I guess this paradigm serves us. It serves us to see the world – as horrible, evil place where nothing goes well versus something that uh, is giving us a lot. And I think part of the problem is people misunderstand what it means, positive attitude or positive thinking. Yeah, clear that, and clarify that a bit. Well, they take it to the extreme, some folks, of denying reality, and I'm not suggesting that at all. Right. If you've got a heavy injury, you've just cut your leg badly, you've just lost a serious relationship, Positive thinking doesn't mean, oh, everything's just wonderful. Yeah, my leg will grow back. No. Yeah, leg will grow back. He or she'll come back to my life. No problem. Right. That's denying reality. Yeah. I I think maybe a better word that has fewer attachments to it is positive focus. Yeah. And that is in any situation, you can always, always find something positive. Well, and if let's just say you were in an accident, you had a tragic injury, you lost a leg or an arm or something, and um, if your positive mental attitude won't bring an arm back, but having positive focus as you're healing will change your life. And we've had guest after guest on this show that have lost or had tragic accidents where their wife or their child and their wife were killed, and they still made a choice to find the blessing. One of my personal heroes is uh, Winston Churchill. Basically, I think we'd be uh, speaking German today had it not been for him keeping the Nazis back long enough yeah. for us to get into the war and finish it off. And Churchill said, the optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. 
the pessimist sees a difficulty in every opportunity. Yeah. Isn't that right true? on target. It's so true, isn't it? We um it's a big deal, and I, and I think I'm with you that this isn't just – it's kind of more where you direct your energy. So what I'd love to do is let's take a break. We're talking to Dr. Alan Zimmerman, um, and you can find Alan uh, his, at his website, drzimmerman.com. He's a, a speaker, an author. He's, he just – he gets it. He's, he's uh, taught at universities. He has a doctorate in the field of interpersonal communication. Um But there's a lot of great resources there, including his blog as well, that are very helpful. We're going to take a break with Dr. Alan Zimmerman. When we come back, I'd love to get a little more insight, Dr. Zimmerman, on how we kind of exercise this energy and have a positive focus. What are some of the tricks we need to focus on? What are the things we need to watch out for? We'll be back. We're talking positive attitude, how to find it in this crazy thing we call life. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. They don't know they're demonstrating fluid dynamics, but what penguins do know is how to huddle to keep everybody equally warm. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. The next time you huddle in a crowd at a snowy bus stop, you may think you know how to keep warm, but penguins have you beat. Where they hang out, the bus takes about six months to show up, and winds can gust to 100 miles an hour at 60 Fahrenheit below zero. Yet they can generate a balmy 70 degrees at the center of their huddle. What scientists wanted to know was the method by which the cold guys at the edge changed places with the warm guys at the center, so that everybody averaged out pretty well. Francois Blanchet is an applied mathematician at the University of California, and he's created a mathematical model where virtual penguins, each just trying to get warmer, end up circulating in a path that distributes the heat as fairly as possible. The mathematical model matches up fairly well to actual patterns in the wild, and it shares common features with flying flocks of birds, schools of fish, and the like. This model may help to program future swarms of micro-robots that need to cooperate like one composite individual. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. What do you want to know? Kim Power Stilson has a whole list of things she wants to learn about, and she wants to share it with you. On her show, Talkworthy, she invites you to join her as she interviews expert guests, learning new things along the way. It doesn't matter if the subject is a serious thought provoker or just plain fun. If it's Talkworthy, Kim will cover it. Talkworthy airs Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend here uh, talking about positive mental attitude. Is it myth or is it a reality? And uh, one of my favorite quotes about this comes from our own President Lincoln, Abe Lincoln. People are just as happy as they make up their minds to be. Do you believe that? If so, I'd love to hear from you. Do you believe you can actually 
make up your mind to be happy, and that it would change a very negative situation in your life. I'd love to hear your ideas. 1-855-CHAT-BYU. 1-855-CHAT-BYU. What's your take on this? Is positive mental attitude just a bunch of gobbledygook that uh, we're spewing to make people feel good even though life's just horrible? Or can having a true positive mental attitude shift your life? Can it change you? Can it change the people around you? Can it take the rainy days and bring in some sunshine? I want to hear from you. If you're out there and you know it's true because you've seen it in your life, I'd love to hear your ideas, your story. 1-855-CHAT-BYU. 1-855-CHAT-BYU. And again, any callers we get on the air, we will give them a copy of my book, Starve Stuff, Feeding the Seven Basic Needs of Healthy Relationships. Now let's get back to our expert, Dr. Alan Zimmerman. Dr. Zimmerman has a doctorate in uh, interpersonal communication and psychology. He's a speaker. You can go to drzimmerman.com, and uh, he goes around the world teaching uh, companies, organizations, people, uh, how to have a better positive mental attitude. Now, attitude, by the way, he has defined as the outlook on life. Dr. Zimmerman, welcome back to the program. Thanks so much. Glad to be here. So good to have you. Now, when you when you think about this, um, it really is this concept that we, we have to have a positive focus. And uh, I truly, truly believe that. What seems to get in the way? What do you see as an expert that gets in the way of just the average person being able to to find positivity in that work and in their relationships? What do you see stopping us? Well, the first thing is we feed ourselves an awful lot of negativity. The self-talk, the dialogue inside of our head, we're saying all day long, I couldn't do that. Yeah. That was a dumb remark. Why should I do it this way? And the research shows over 80% of our internal self-talk is negative. Wow. If we spoke that negatively to other people, to their face, we get sued for libel or slander. Yeah, you wouldn't have a friend. <laughs> you know, and it's what I call mind binders. It's a little negative comment we say over and over. I can't lose weight. I can't give a speech. I can't do this or that. Mm. And as long as they think that way, they'll never be able to achieve in those particular areas. So it's pretty much but any negative verb, like I can't, I I yeah. won't, it, I haven't been able to. Exactly. Be very careful of that kind of self-talk. And when you catch yourself, talk back to yourself and say, stop it, and I'll just stop it. Yeah. Don't or start hitting yourself, cancel, though, right? Cancel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you start hitting <laughs> yourself, then you're going to have bigger problems. That's another problem, another issue. But it's interesting. <laughs> if we if we would actually do something more physical, we would probably notice the thought. But the, we just have this thought dripping in our head, don't we? I can't do that. I can't do that. Yeah, I've never been able to do that. Well, you mentioned physical. One little strategy, it sounds silly, but it works. If you don't feel like talking back to yourself, I've told people, put a rubber band on your wrist, and every time you find yourself putting yourself down, doing a negative thought, mm. snap the band and hit your wrist. It may get a little red over the day, but you'll learn to stop doing it. Oh, yeah. that's uh, We had a guest on the show that used to have a clicker, and every time she thought, at first she started with negative thoughts, and she just started counting every day all of her negative thoughts. 
And it became overwhelming because there were so many. So she just yeah. decided to reverse the model and instead start looking for the blessings, the positive things that were going on in her life. And um, she actually started noticing more and more positive things. Yeah. Good idea. Where your focus is is where your heart will be and your thought process will be. Yeah. I mean, it really, it seems so simple, isn't it? And But these mental binders, if I keep thinking I'm inept, I'm weak, I'm no good, I haven't been, I've never been able to do this, then it, it maybe, I guess, is the mind's way of just keeping you in a highly predictable, weak position, which is not who you want to be. Example, exactly. I think a good example is the Olympics. You take lots of the Olympic gold medalists. They overcame tremendous odds, great obstacles, physical, uh, emotional, things like that to become world champions. And if you ask them, when you talk to them, they'll say it's 95% mental, 5% physical. And watch some of those stars before they perform. You often see them close their eyes, a moment of deep thought, perhaps. And they'll see that ball going a certain direction or making a certain kind of pass, but they put the right thoughts and right picture in their mind. Because nobody else performs their own self-talk or their own self-picturing. Well, yeah. And, I mean, uh, you can't stop that, can you? I mean, that's, and that's something you can do, you know, when you take a break from work. Or that's something you can do when you take your lunch break. These are all things you can go do in your head. There's no stopping you mentally if you're, if you're disciplined that way, is there? Well, think of Muhammad Ali, the great boxing champ. His famous affirmation, I'm the greatest. Yeah. And people would say, how sickening, how conceited. I often tell my audiences, if you think that's conceit, how would you like to go into a boxing ring thinking you weren't too hot? Right. I am such a loser. I'm going to get pounded today. <laughs> yeah. You'll get killed. <laughs> it was an important winning mechanism on his part. Well, and even if you don't believe it in the moment, you'll probably believe it a half hour later or 10 minutes. You know, eventually you say it long enough, you, you're going to believe it. And even if you affirm things such as, I'm a world champion, such and such, that may not make you into that person, but you're doing an awful lot better affirming the positive than you will the negative. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like our mind works better trying to affirm something um, that is coming from a positive position instead of the negative. Yeah. You want yourself moving towards something, towards a goal you want to achieve, a positive goal. You're much more energized to move towards something than away from something. Huh. More energized to move towards a good-looking, physically fit body than away from a bowl of ice cream. Absolutely. Towards. In fact, right when you said that, my board op, Skyboy, just lifted his eyes again, which that's, he, that's the only way he talks, is with his eyes. He uses his mouth, but very rarely. And um, he just lifted his eyes like, bada-boom, bada-bing. Is that true, Sky? So that's a good deal. We'll go towards um, the more attractive. I'm kidding with you right now through my yeah. eyes. So. Yeah, you're using eyes. Yeah. He liked that one. Um, tell me some more of these mental binders. Where else do we kind of get bound down by our thinking? Well, I think we need also do what I call the fueling process. Take some fancy car, Lamborghini, Rolls Royce. You could spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on the car. Mm-hmm. But it won't go an inch without gasoline. And people are the same way. You can give them all kinds of training, degrees, education. But they don't go very far to use that education without the attitude to fuel it. Yeah. And I look at attitude as fuel. And when people say something like, well, I, I went to one of those motivational courses 10 years ago and it didn't do me that much good. I think that's pretty silly. 
in other words, you feed your body three times a day. Who could possibly think you could feed your mind once in 10 years and be settled with that issue for the rest of your life? Right. doesn't even make sense. Yeah, those the fuels, I, the key thing. What, what fuels, like, one thing I've noticed that fuels um, a positive attitude in my life is when I'm actually succeeding at stuff. When I see that I'm actually, or not even, but just making progress, that I've made a goal and I'm progressing, mm-hmm. that, that seems to create fuel for me to want to do more. I agree with that. And even if you don't succeed, when you fail, don't stop with the failure. Look for the lesson in the failure. Right. And that lesson is a positive. So one, another fuel is, is just seeing the lesson, learning. When you're learning, that's yeah, a fueler. You'll see some people, for example, uh, marry and divorce five alcoholics in a row, or somebody else get hired and fired five times in a row. They keep choosing the same kind of wrong profession, the wrong kind of partner, right? because they don't learn. Right. When you fail, get the lesson in the failure. And when you get that, you're a step ahead. No, I think that's great. I mean, that's, the, that's a huge uh, key, I think, to all of our lives is it's, it, there's going to be hard times. We have to fail. And, um, but in every failure is the answer to better improvement tomorrow. And if we, if we just kind of chalk it up to, yeah, I'm a loser. See, I knew it. I knew I was going to fail, and I did it. And um, then we seem to miss those lessons. Good stuff. Dr. Alan Zimmerman, uh, a couple more minutes here. What, what's the key? If we, if we had to kind of wrap this up to one thing, one thing that makes the big thing, what's, what would you say is the biggest key to positive mental attitude? A no-fail approach to do what I call the act as if. It's been around for a long time. People may have heard about it, may not be using it. Yeah. And that is... You want to be more patient. You can't go around saying, well, I'm not patient. Um, Dad wasn't patient. Mom wasn't patient. Just the way I am. If you force yourself to act patiently, even if your guts are churning inside, eventually you'll feel patient and be patient. Yeah. And the same is true for positive attitude. Even if you don't feel positive, if you will act as if you are, you walk with a spring to your step, a smile on your face, a positive breathing to somebody else. Yeah you act that way, you'll begin to feel that way and feel that way long enough and you will be that way. Love it. I think that's it. I really do. The act as if is a, uh, you know, you know, act as if you're there, work as hard as you can to get prepared to be there. And, uh, the feelings will start to happen. We're talking with Dr. Alan Zimmerman. And uh, Dr. Zimmerman, they can find your website at drzimmerman.com. Is that right? Absolutely. And for those people who are interested, We've got a newsletter that goes out free of charge every week that's got hundreds of thousands of subscribers. Great material, all free of charge. It's a place to sign up on the website to get a free article every week. That's great. So get there. Go check out drzimmerman.com. Get his newsletter. Start learning a little bit more about uh, taking back your life by you know grabbing your attitude and making it a little bit more positive. We're going to come back with more ideas, coaching, and insight on how to get a more positive attitude. If you have a question, a specific example in your life, and you want a little coaching on that, give us a call, 1-855-CHAT-BYU, 1-855-CHAT-BYU. I will come back, and we'll start coaching you on how to take your life to a more positive level. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
KBYU-FM, HD2, Provo. Parenting has never been an easy task. And in today's world, it can be harder than ever. That's why Richard and Linda Iyer are dedicating their lives to educating parents and strengthening families around the world. Find out what Richard and Linda can do for your family. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on their show, Eyers on the Road, here on Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. Talk about good. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. Chicago is preparing for the massive winter storm, which has been blasting through the Plain States to hit today. Already, the storm has caused hundreds of flight cancellations and is making evening driving conditions nightmarish. With the sequester going into effect this Friday, President Barack Obama is continuing his push for Congress to pass measures to stop it. Today, he appealed to a small shipyard town, which is likely to be affected negatively by the cuts to the defense budget. Chuck Hagel has received enough votes to be confirmed as the next Secretary of Defense. Voting is not complete yet, but the news is likely very welcome after a lengthy filibuster that ended just today. Former Surgeon General C. Everett Koop died today at the age of 96. Koop served during the Reagan era and is well remembered for helping start the fight against AIDS. In world news, 19 people are dead in Egypt following a hot air balloon explosion over 1,000 feet in the air. Most of the victims were tourists from five different countries, including France and Britain. Following the death of a Palestinian man in an Israeli prison, a rocket was fired into Israel from the Gaza region. The attack threatens to break a fragile ceasefire in the region that was agreed upon last November. North Korea's infamous Gulag prison camps are apparently expanding, according to satellite image reports from a U.S.-based firm. One human rights group says the expansion could be due to Kim Jong-un's clearing out of his father's former administration. And Michelle Obama's appearance at the Oscars seems to have been a little too revealing for the Iranian media. They opted to Photoshop sleeves onto the First Lady in order to comply with local laws about how revealing broadcast images of women can be. That's the news to now on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. A positive day to (laughs) you. Hope that helped. We are trying to raise your attitude to a level of positivity versus negativity. And again, let's be real. We don't, life is hard. So I'm not just saying, hey, just smile and everything will be better. However, uh, wherever you focus your time and your attention, I have a feeling it's going to grow. And uh, if we want to have a more positive life, We need to be willing to maybe put in a little bit more positive energy. That's kind of my belief. That's my goal. I also think there's a lot of research that bears that out. If you are into this idea, I would highly suggest you go look up the book called Learned Optimism by Martin Seligman. Now, Marty Seligman was a, a psychologist for, I believe, the University of Stanford, Back in the day, I think it was when um, Spitz, wasn't it Mark Spitz that was the swimmer that won all the 
the gold medals back in the day. And he used to sit and watch this swimmer uh, struggle in timing. And what they would do, I guess, one of the stories he tells is how we would, uh, every time that they had spits out there swimming, um, they kept decreasing his time, or actually adding time to his swim time. So he'd just try harder and try harder. And um, the coaches were looking at all of these different uh, swimmers and trying to figure out psychologically which of the swimmers were going to do the best job. Um, and what they noticed is that Mark Spitz was a little bit different than everybody else because he wouldn't get so caught up in um, his actual time. Instead of just getting dejected and broken and getting out of the pool and being so frustrated – Mark Spitz would actually go train harder. He'd work harder. He'd put his head down, and he'd try to do his very best and swim even harder. There is some incredible research about your ability as a human to find the positive, the good in life. Uh, it doesn't mean you need to be naive. It doesn't mean you need to pretend like you know things aren't hard. It does mean, though, that you need to start to see the silver lining. And I truly believe the sooner you see that silver lining— the better off you are. Um, do you believe that? And have you seen that in your life? One eight five five chat BYU. One eight five five chat BYU. Do you see it there? Do you have you ever had a situation in your life where you truly had a really bad thing happen to you, and were you able to cut through the dark clouds and find the silver lining? Um, and I want to know what it does to you. Um, One of the things that I've studied a lot, there's a brand new field, not brand new, it's about 20 or so years old, called positive psychology. And uh, Marty Seligman, for example, is would be one of those psychologists. And what they're trying to figure out is if life is, um, you know, if if there's going to be inherent psychological problems that we all have on this crazy ball of mud, wouldn't it make sense that instead of just mastering dysfunctional, wouldn't it make sense that we actually... focus on things that work. So this positive psychology is an idea of let's start studying people that are actually happy, heaven forbid. Let's study people that get results. Instead of studying the people that have really bad relationships, what if we started studying in the abnormal psychology of life? What if we started studying positive psychology or the people that actually claim to have healthier relationships or feel more peace? And one of the things they're finding as they're doing this research is there are a lot of really amazing answers to what uh, works in life. And and what I mean by that is um, couples, for example, come in and sit down with me every day. And as they sit down, we're all very prone to go to what doesn't work. Every husband on earth can tell me dozens of examples of what doesn't work in their relationships. Um, For example, I had a couple come in fighting over money because the husband had bought or the wife had bought a $400 purse and the husband was ticked off. Nobody needs a $400 bag. That's ridiculous, he says. And um, the wife's like, -uh," and they're arguing about this bag. And uh, he says, a bag, you can just buy a less expensive bag. It's not a big deal. And um, what do you want to bet? Their argument really isn't even about the bag. And then she turns it on him and says, oh, really? Okay, so nobody needs a $400 bag. Is that what you're telling me? And he's like, right, nobody needs a $400 bag. And the the wife said, like, okay, how much was your golf bag? How much was your golf bag then? Because you said nobody needs it. So now we're arguing about his golf bag. We went from her purse to his golf bag. He then defends his golf bag, of course. 
And he talks about, I don't know, it's not 400 Well, how much was it? Well, the bag? Well, yeah, the bag and the bag you put your bag in and the wheels that go on the bag. How much is all of that that you put into your golf bag? And he says, I don't know, 375 And she's like, 375 that is 400 And now they're arguing. Notice what they're arguing about. They're not arguing about what is the real issue. They're not arguing about what's healthy. They're not even arguing. They're arguing about where they're broken. And then he justifies his bag. I need a four a $370 bag because I put $2,000 of the clubs in that bag. And now we're arguing about the golf clubs. And then she gets sad and says, you always did love golfing more than me. And now they're fighting about golfing and everything that they think is broken in the relationship. Have you ever done that with somebody? Have you ever just sat back and fought about all the broken things? Now, the crazy thing about that is I, in all of my years, 20 years of working with relationships and coaching people, I have never seen a marriage get better and improve by recognizing how messed up we are. I have never seen that happen. I have never seen somebody that uh, can pinpoint all the negative things in every date that they've ever found find somebody that was good enough. You will never find someone good enough if your expertise is pointing out what they're not good at. So if you want something better in life, the goal might be to start noticing what's good. Inherently, in every fight we have or in every relationship issue we have, if your relationships are bad or if they're negative or if they're ineffective, if you guys can't talk, I will bet that you can give me an example somewhere in your life, in your marriage, perhaps, where you actually could talk fairly effectively for 10 minutes without it turning into a fight. Now, you might have to go back 20 years to when you were first dating, and we always used to be able to talk when we were first dating. Well, if so then my next question is this then. Then if you've spent 19 years not being able to talk and you spent one year being able to talk, which one of those is going to be the best one to learn from? The broken one for 19 years or the one year where you guys were nailing it? So I would suggest you go back to the one year and listen to this question. What was it about that one year of communicating really effectively that made it work so effectively? What was different there than the last 19 years? And amazingly, guess what you're going to notice? You're probably going to notice that what was different was you were more positive, that we were saying different things, that we were listening to each other more. We weren't judging each other. We didn't have financial stress because we didn't have four kids. And we hadn't bought a house that was too big for us. And we didn't have all this debt. And we didn't have an addiction. And we didn't have a partner that we caught doing something they shouldn't be doing. All that other stuff is the problem. And there's certain examples of what we used to do that used to work. In fact, I had a couple uh, in my office today, and they've been struggling for five years to make their marriage work. Um, and every single time we would talk, they would go back to the broken, back to the broken, back. And then he doesn't do this. And you wouldn't believe what he did last week. And she's such a witch. Every time I say this, she turns into such a witch, and then it goes so poorly. So they tell me everything that's wrong and how they communicate. So I sat him down and I gave him some papers, and the papers are very simply. All it said on the paper was morning, afternoon, evening, weekend, and in conflict. Okay? Morning, afternoon, evening, weekend, and in conflict. And then I said, and they were all spread out over two page, two papers, two pages of paper. 
I then said, imagine I have a magic wand. I sprinkle magic dust on your incredibly intense marriage, and we change it. And you're no longer threes in a horrible marriage ranked three out of ten. You're now a ten. Your marriage is fixed. Okay? It is so powerful. It is so good. You still live in the same life. You still have the same reality. You still have four children or whatever. You still have all the hardships, and you're still underemployed. But your marriage is a 10. Now, tell me what would you notice. If your marriage is now a 10 because I had a magic wand and fixed it, when you leave my office today, what would you notice happening that would tell you your marriage is a 10? You wouldn't notice it instantly. You'd have to see things happening. And she says, well, he'd hold my hand. And he says, well, she'd be more positive when we were driving home. And he says, and she says, he would, um, he would actually listen to what I say and, and seem to care. And they started just telling me everything that would be different. Notice, by the way, everything that would be different, it's not just Pollyanna positive. It's actually what would work. The solutions are already there. You can't know your relationship is stinking up the place unless you know there's a better smell. You have to know that relation with the positive in order to know the negative. It's, it's basically what even Rob was talking about earlier. We need the contrast. If you didn't know that there was a better solution, and if you didn't even know what the solution was, you wouldn't know your marriage is in horrible jeopardy. There's people out there right now that are in bad, bad marriages, and they honestly don't even know it, because this is 10 times better than my parents had it. If you want a healthy relationship, we have to figure out what works. So this couple started to make a list, everything that they would see in the morning. When you wake up tomorrow morning in a perfect 10 marriage, what would you see happening? By the way, the woman wanted to write down what she wouldn't see. Well, I wouldn't see him being a jerk. Okay, shush. Don't go there. She goes right to the negative. Tell me what you would see your husband doing in the morning that would show you you're in a 10 marriage. What would we see him doing? What would we see her doing? How would we relate to each other? How would we talk to each other? What would we say? What would we not say? And they went through their morning. They went through how their afternoons would be different. They went through how their evening would be different. Very specifically, they went through what their weekends would look like. We would go on dates. We would hold hands everywhere we went, just like we used to when we used to date. Uh, we would we would laugh at each other's jokes. We would um, we would be patient with each other. What would you guys do on the weekends? Then we, they drew it all out. And then in conflict, when you guys have a fight or an argument or a disagreement, what would be different if you were in a 10 relationship and you still have a disagreement? Now, some people have the illusion that if you're in a 10 relationship, there are no disagreements because we are happy and it is perfect. And we have unicorns and a butterfly and lollipops. They're like, Sky time finally listens. Um, now, that's what I want. Um, the irony of our relationships is in front of one of the great statistics of um, couples and, and marriage. The healthiest couples have conflict, folks. I don't know if you know that. Conflict in a relationship is actually a sign of growth and progress. It's how we handle the conflict. And instead of getting bogged down into everything we shouldn't do, and, well, he wouldn't yell and she wouldn't be mad and she wouldn't roll her eyes when I talk and she wouldn't do all this stuff like Skyboy does. Um, Instead, what would we do? Well, we'd be more calm. We wouldn't raise our voice. We'd stay in the same room with each other instead of chasing each other away. 
Notice, each one of those are solutions. I'm not trying to tell you positive mental attitude is Pollyanna. I'm telling you there's a reality. If you want to change your relationship, you have to change how you address your issues. You can address them from the positive side, meaning the appreciative side, what works, or you can approach them from the negative side, what doesn't work. Pick your poison. Pick your angle. By the end of this meeting today with this couple, they came in with a horrendous problem, and they left with about 40 solutions each of what would work. Now, well, yeah, but that like, like he's going to do it. Okay, do you see where they went? Right back to the negative. No, he may not do it. The difference is he now has 40 choices. And then I have him switch the lists, and she has to take his, and he takes hers. And the assignment was this week, I want you to do everything you can to love your partner their way, the way the list shows it. Right? Oh, so I have to get up and make him breakfast? Well, I don't know. When you were first married and your marriage was a 10, would you used to get up and make him breakfast? Well, yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, then I just do that if it works. Jeez. Or don't and just hate each other some more. In the end, relationships are a give and a take, right? Solutions. They exist. And the most powerful solutions to change your marriage today, to change your relationships with people today, it's, I promise it's not in knowing you're messed up. Because honestly, I can tell every human on earth, hey, listen up, folks. You are all messed up. It's officially been said. You are messed up. Now you know. Now what do you do? I don't know. I'm messed up. What you do is you identify what it used to look like when it worked. You identify today three things a day that the people around you are doing that are good and positive. When you find them doing the exact opposite of what you hate them doing, like when they finally are listening to you for the first time in many, many moons, I would make a really big deal about it. I'd make sure you point out, babe, today when you just listened to me and you didn't try to solve my problem and you just heard me and felt my heart, I just want to tell you that makes all the difference to me. Now I have a clue. Okay. So you'll like that. Great. That's what I'll do next time. I don't know. It's just my idea. Or you can also go to the future. If I had a magic wand and gave you a perfect 10 relationship, what would it look like? Hmm. Isn't it amazing that you know? Okay. Positive mental attitude. That's what I mean. Your solutions are on the appreciative side, the positive side. We're going to take a break. Come back. And our own Bryce Tobin. Bryce Leroy Tobin is going to come back with us. And he's going to give us his little rant about positive versus negative. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. It looks like a sci-fi movie special effect, but it seems to burn away leukemia while leaving healthy cells intact. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. If you pass by a novelty store, you'll probably see a strange kind of purplish globe or light bulb that has what looks like weaving tendrils of lightning dancing inside of it. You're looking at a toy gizmo called a plasma globe. But that toy has a cousin that's a bit more serious. It went to med school. And what it learned was it might be very effective at killing leukemia cells without hurting the rest of a body. Leukemia is a cancer of blood-producing tissue. 
It's a serious killer of children, and to fight it is possible, but it takes therapies like chemotherapy, radiation treatment, even bone marrow transplants. That's tough on a kid. But now imagine, instead of those methods, just shining a beam of what looks like purple lightning at the cancer without the patient feeling a thing. Researchers at Old Dominion University in Virginia have shown that a beam of cold plasma somehow triggers leukemia cells to self-destruct, but the beam seems harmless against nearby normal cells. Cold plasma beams can also disinfect wounds and may someday treat Parkinson's or Alzheimer's. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We are talking optimism, positivity versus negativity. Uh, and, you know, we're trying to give you some ideas, some tools. Again, it's not just blowing smoke of Happyville. Happyville smoke. It's not that. It's bigger than that. It's actually the attitude you're going to guide your life by. It is um, It's the spirit you want to lead by. Now, when we're positive... And we are optimistic. It might even get into how we motivate people. So we mentioned on the show earlier with Jessica that we have um, this idea of carrots and sticks. So the carrot, do I motivate you by giving you something you want, a carrot, or do I use a stick to beat you from behind? So do I lead you with a carrot to where I need you to go, or do I kind of incentivize you from behind using a stick? It's called the carrot and stick approach. Who better to educate us on this than Bryce Lamont Tobin. Now, Bryce has some thoughts about this motivation method that he just loved to share with us. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is the Bryce is Right. The carrot or the stick, the carrot or the stick. Now, I'd like to point out that I don't know much about horses. I am definitely equinophobic. I don't like anything that's alive and bigger than me. But the genesis of this saying comes from horse training. You can either lead the horse around with something good, like a carrot, or you can teach them to avoid something bad, like a good whack from the stick. But if my fridge has any wisdom to give, carrots can go bad, but sticks do not. Even when I do everything I can to preserve a bag of carrots, it doesn't take long for them to start getting nasty. When we talk about carrots, we're talking about being positive. Well, what do we mean by positive? Because that's a pretty generalized idea, and that gets problematic when you consider how specific an individual's wants and needs can be. If we're talking psychologically, when you say positive, it means that you're giving something. But there's a problem. Lots and lots of studies show that giving something is effective in encouraging behavior, which is all good and fine. But what if this isn't behavior you want to encourage? Let me give you an example of this little conundrum. Let's assume you're like most people and you drive too fast. Karma will eventually catch up with you and a cop will pull you over. So what do they do? They give you a traffic ticket. What do they want to do? Well, they want to discourage this type of allegedly dangerous driving behavior. But all of this laughs in the face of science. So when you think about it, is it any surprise that most people speed rather fearlessly? But a stick, that's the opposite story. When you first break off a stick, it's pretty potent, but it's still green and bendable. Over time, that stick will dry out and get all gnarly. It'll be harder and lighter, more able to cause pain while being easier to wield. Sticks are like old men. It's like they get grumpier as they get older. So if we're going to label this as negative, what does it really mean? Well, let's go back to my speeding example. What if you were caught speeding and right there on the spot, the officer took away your license or your keys? 
Something important has just been taken away from you. Or in other words, you didn't do that horse thing you were supposed to do and the trainer brought that stick down hard. For those of us who have been stopped by the police, having something taken away would have made for a different story, right? Possibly a greater effect on your driving decisions in the future? This negativity is good for discouraging behavior. That being said, it would be pretty easy just to say the prescription depends on the situation, but that's a cop-out, and I don't put up with that. Which is why I'm going to stick with my bread and butter, the stick. You don't have to like it. In fact, the stick would prefer that you not like it. That's sort of the point. But you can't deny the effectiveness of a swift swat on the rear. Metaphorically speaking, of course. All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. Don't forget to be awesome or I'll use a stick and beat you over the head with it. Bryce Lamont Tobin. Okay, I got a question for you. So I'm speeding because my wife is bleeding to death in the back seat. You're taking my car. Uh, you have broken the law, Matt. That's. Have you ever seen the show Les Mis? Yes, I have. <laughs> okay. Anyway, that's cute. Um, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a way. There's one way to motivate the stick. The other, you could just give me carrots and get out of my way, officer. You could give me an escort. Hmm? That would be nice. What would that be called? Um, I don't know. Never happened. It, I guess it would be... It would be positive pun. It, yeah. Positive. I don't know. I know. See, this is where it gets complicated. Human motivation is probably not two choices, right? It's probably not a stick or a carrot. There's something in between. It's Les Miserables. You want to sing it? Uh, no. Do a little uh, Javier. Is that what's his name? Jean Valjean. And who's the guy chasing? Javert. Javert. Javert's the guy. Stick. Jean Valjean, mercy. <laughs> Give me some mercy, right? Anyway, uh, you're looking at me like you're crazy. I'm just, I'm just wondering where the lame is comparisons are well, because coming from. To motivate another human being, it's, you've got to have more in your repertoire than a stick and a carrot. So now you use a musical set in France. Yes. There you go. See how that works? That is the entire show of Les Mis is how do we motivate someone? With justice or do we use mercy? Hmm? Justice or mercy? Optimism or pessimism? We've just dichotomized. How about five other choices? How about understanding? How about respect? How about sacrifice? How about discipline so you're not speeding in the first place? What if my wife's dying? It's probably okay to speed. Hmm? Bryce Tobin's giving me the look. (laughs) Okay, here's your homework assignment for all those out there in listener land. Are you struggling with somebody in your life, in your relationship, that you know you need to change your attitude? Maybe it's the kids that you're, you're just being too tough on. By the way, one of the best ways to know if it's time to change our attitude is you need to be looking for some of the fruits. There are some definite fruits that, uh, that would show you you're getting the results you need. And it's not just a, a horse eating carrots or being beaten, Right. The fruits would be, is your relationship getting closer? If your positivity or negativity is starting to impede on the relationship, and we're actually not liking the people we're with because of their approach to life, their pessimism, if you notice fewer and fewer people ask for your advice, if you notice that fewer people want to be with you, uh, you might be using a force or have an attitude that maybe isn't working for you. So here is a little quote for you by Wayne Dyer, okay? A mind at peace... A mind centered and not focusing on harming others is stronger than any physical force in the universe. Wayne Dyer. 
a, a mind at peace. One of my biggest learnings uh, in coaching these couples about how to get to uh, a little bit healthier relationships is instead of trying to do everything for everyone, why don't you just try to find real peace that is uh, that, that allows you to be the kind of person you want to be? Uh, that couple, by the way, I asked them when they made their list of 40 things each that they know they need to be doing in their marriage to make a perfect 10. I asked them how many of those they already knew they needed to be doing, and they both pretty much said, well, almost all of them. Then I asked, well, why aren't you doing them? Do you know what their their most instinctive answer was that they didn't dare share with me, but then I got it out of them? Well, it's because he's not doing it. So here's the simple rule. If you want peace in your life, quit waiting for everyone else on earth to give it to you. The peace doesn't come from them living in a perfect way for you. It doesn't come from them having a positive mental attitude for you. It comes from you effectively interpreting and seeing them. You become the peace. You bring the peace of mind, the centeredness. You lose the harming of the others. You become more optimistic, and you'll probably see some fruits. And it's not just optimism, and it's not just pessimism. You're going to find out there's a million other isms that go in between there. We appreciate you listening to us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We're back. Remember, our goal is to help you see the good in the world. That is BYU Radio's mantra and BYU Broadcasting. We want to make your lives better. Join us again tomorrow right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. 